and welcome to this Spotlight podcast on HRMS. I am Naima Mondral, Senior Editor of Buying Artists Zone, and I'm delighted to be joined by Jason Corston, who is a Technical Product Manager at SciEx. So firstly, Jason, could you introduce yourself and explain your experience with HRMS? Thank you, Naima, and uh, hello to everyone listening. So I am yeah, Jason Corson, currently a Technical Product Manager for Accurate Mass uh, here at SciEx. So um, normally people ask, what does that mean? So uh, I am in the fortunate uh, position where I get to work with our R&D teams here in uh, SciEx in, in Canada um, to basically just translate and, and solve our customer problems using HRMS um, specifically. Um, and uh, obviously from this um, podcast, talking more about quantitation. Uh, previously, uh, I was a senior application specialist based in the UK uh, with SciEx and um, heavily involved in accurate mass uh, for a, a good number of years uh, with our bioinformatical customers and others across multiple markets looking uh, at um, adoption of uh, accurate mass into the labs and, and what it could bring and and just try and understand where it currently sits and what it can do um, and uh, yeah developing those applications those workflows where uh, accurate mass quantitation um, can really bring value so that's kind of the, the background in accurate mass I've had um, for the last number of years. Great, thank you, Jason. And could you explain a little bit about your current research focuses? Sure. So uh, I guess our research is uh, slightly different to uh, a lot of what, uh, what our customers do um, uh, in terms of uh, where a lot of our research is involved around developing our instruments uh, for the future. So um, our, our predominant uh, research stems from the customer feedback we get, the customer collaborations we have, and and those issues and those problems that uh, we get asked to to look at. Um, and uh, having done the the spotlight in the past on uh, high res, I kind of have had a look back at a couple of the infographics to see um, what what the feedback was um, uh, for the last few years and and kind of how that correlates to what we're we're looking at now and um, and when uh, I think the first one was a 2016 uh, on uh, high-res quant and the survey and a lot of the hurdles that were identified were around the usual sensitivity um, software size of data um, the general experience using high-res uh, instruments uh, and um, that's a lot of what uh, naturally we're, we're researching and, and looking at to, to solve. And, and I actually have a few examples of uh, where that research is um, and um, what people may have seen as, as the output of that over the last um, couple of years. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's really um, good to see that uh, we're, we're working and, and looking at this, the same things, the same issues of, that uh, our customer and the community is having. having. So, um, a so if we look at, um, say, uh, some of the ease of use of high res and the experience of high res, and um, typically we've seen uh, high res go hand in hand with uh, low flow uh, chromatography, uh, whether that be microflow uh, or nanoflow. Um, and 
one of the research areas for the last couple of years has been specifically around that integration of of low flow to for, to uh, to the mass spec, and um, that's efforts that have been kind of both on um, on on nominal mass on the on our triple quads, but um, as I said, more so on accurate masses. It's traditionally been coupled together, um, and uh, for People have noticed that uh, this year we kind of released the 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 update to the OptiFlow source, which um, I'll come to kind of where that came from and and why that research kind of developed. And uh, that was a lot from the feedback that we had um, at the time that, uh, especially MicroFlow and NanoFlow, it, it was like a, sometimes an art to set up and maintain and you needed a lot of uh, experience uh, the other flip side was uh, typically people see a lot more variation from source to source and uh, and it, it was just more finicky of a, a technique so uh, the research we have uh, had ongoing to develop that and continue to is around kind of design of experiment to really um, establish conditions both kind of pro positioning and 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 setup that minimizes uh the the user input and and try and make some of the hurdles to accurate mass um less than what they were before so uh with that we looked at okay what do you need to give you optimal sensitivity with minimal variation which um resulted in what people see now um with a dedicated setup, which is both probe conditions, source conditions uh, for the flow rates. Um, so that's kind of one aspect of those hurdles that we look that we kind of took a bite out of um, in terms of uh, looking to drive and looking to increase the adoption of uh, accurate mass, especially in a quantitative aspect. Um, but I guess whenever whenever I'm talking to our customers. Generally, um, it's not so much the hardware that gets um, is 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 the biggest hurdle. It's a lot of the time it's software. Software we know is has become vitally important, uh, especially for accurate mass. And and again, from uh, the spotlights, that was one of the bigger hurdles. Is uh, not just uh, how you run the software, uh, how you validate the software. Uh, the size of the data files that is being generated. There's all huge, again, was huge hurdles to uh, adopting uh, accurate mass into a into the biological field. So uh, again, those are the things that we've been doing research on for the last uh, number of years. And that has basically borne out um, our, our software, which is SciXOS, uh, which uh, has been a huge development area for us. Um, and that's started on the X500 series, uh, which is uh, our benchtop QTOF. And, uh, and that will continue to drive into the future across many platforms. So um, what we did from that point of view is, is try and take back some of the hurdles of, of um, what's seen as more difficult to set up. Um, there's more. Um, more to accurate mass than there is to say running an MRM on a on a triple quad. So uh, we kind of took that step back on. Okay, we need to do something different. Uh, we need to do the research to to make it more of a 
ease of use of, of minds uh, mindset uh, so that software can be brought in um, to accelerate speed of learning that um, and ultimately to get an instrument online faster I think we know that uh, you you go out and you purchase a triple quad you know how fast or how long it's going to take for you to bring it online um, into your uh, fleet of instruments to start uh, giving you return on investment accurate masses again it's one of those things where um, it's kind of a bit of an unknown is okay the software may be similar but is it really um, is it e is it easy to learn and uh, can I use and can I use this and our uh, technical staff walk up and just run the instrument as they can do now uh, with their triple quad so that's really been one of our drivers and just um, one of the one of the like minuscule things that we're, we're doing is, is have done in that re research effort is to is to try and get to a point that you run the accurate mass instrument as you run a triple quad so you want to perform MS MS quantitation which uh, uh, still uh, on accurate mass is a, a, a high preference um, just as it is on a triple quad uh, just being able to walk and run it in the same similar manner uh, it seems uh, simple and easy on paper but it takes um, a lot of research and effort to to achieve that um, and so that's kind of been our driver and continues to be our driver from the software side just to help ease that uh, barrier of adoption uh, and then kind of that all is what good and great but um, that whole aspect of and philosophy you if it doesn't have speed and the software is clunky and slow and especially with accurate mass data file size we know is always in people's minds um, so if, if you don't solve those parts of it uh, having a nice easy to use software is kind of uh, useless so um, again almost uh, everything we do has that balance in mind from our research now uh, the last part of the kind of current research wouldn't go as any surprise uh, to any to, to anyone who's known Syx for uh, any length of time sensitivity dynamic range uh, those are all things that um, we have been uh, innovating for almost 50 years 50 years next year uh, on in our triple quad and Q, uh, Q trap range we continually drive to get more sensitivity out of the instruments and unsurprisingly this will remain a core driver for Sykes um, accurate mass as well uh, is those are two key points and um, I think from if I remember correctly from the one or most of the spotlights that we've uh, that have gone out on accurate mass the last three years sensitivity has been that big the big bubble of where is accurate mass right now and uh, what can it do and what can it do in the future Great, thank you, Jason. And how do you currently use HRMS at sites today? For this, uh, again, kind of, it, it's a, an odd perspective in that uh, the way we use accurate mass at sites is probably slightly different, uh, different to a lot of our customers. So I kind of, the way that I was going to look at this is to go back to um, the DMPK kind of high-res small molecule uh, spotlight that I did uh, two years ago and look at kind of how the current landscape at the time we were thinking accurate mass could could uh, 
play in and 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 that was a lot around highlighting the qualitative benefits of accurate mass which we know had been utilized for many years in med id uh, impurity profiling type assays uh, but the benefit and utilization for quantitation especially in bioanalysis was only really starting to get into swing uh, and so i was thinking uh, once you just take a kind of a look at is what we were thinking then kind of what we are seeing now in the current use um, or is that kind of more drifting out and uh, other reasons why uh, the adoption is not maybe lower than we thought it could be uh, so uh, i would say from our the from our customers the use of high res uh, accurate mass for quantitation uh, has three main drivers uh, obviously the first one is sensitivity but um, we have to really drive that down it's it's more selectivity driven sensitivity it's driving signal to noise it's driving lower limits of quantitation by being more selective with mass resolution mass accuracy um, it's the added information that you get from full scan capability uh, and flexibility of analysis so we know and and again the spotlights have all have shown this that sm uh, small molecules are here this is going to be here for for eternity but uh, the blend of uh, protein and peptide therapeutics has um, has has come in online and uh, they are getting more and more complex and therefore instruments have to have that flexibility and and really was really one of the drivers of why accurate mass is so uh, seen as so uh, high in potential um so if you kind of break that down in terms of the way that we are we see uh, accurate mass being used uh, that selectivity question as is the big one um and really when you shift from uh normal mass to accurate mass is usually when the MRM can't answer the question you're asking, right? It's, it doesn't deliver the, the sensitivity that you need. And there's usually a selectivity driven uh, issue that affects your limit of quantitation. And we've always looked at alternative techniques to drive LOQ. Um, we went from single quads to triple quads and now accurate mass has been looked at uh, as that alternative. And from us, uh, it's not just accurate mass, uh, per se that we've looked at selectivity. Selectivity is a huge question uh, from all the way from sample prep through to uh, different LCMS techniques, whether it's triple quad, uh, Q-trap, select sign, the type of eye mobility through to accurate mass. Uh, but for accurate mass, it's a different type of selectivity, it's a different measure that we're interested in. So um, from, from a molecule point, as I said, I think we're now seeing uh, that flexibility to do both small and large molecules is a, a key driver of, of interest on accurate mass, uh, especially when you can't get that selectivity from an MRM. Uh, and in most, in many of those cases, it's when your MRM gives you your high chemical background, it has matrix interferences, or in the worst case, both, that you start to look at other, uh, other techniques. Uh, now, selectivity with accurate mass is, is a, again, it's a different viewpoint of the problem. We can use mass resolution and mass accuracy to tackle it in a slightly different way, uh, which 
is a great tool to have um, when when your MRM isn't working. Uh, and then uh, again, the kind of that additional challenge of seeing more peptide protein type uh, therapeutics, which we know from an LC uh, electric spray uh, mass spectrometry, we're going to see multiple charge states. Uh, so see your signals spread across many uh, many charge states. Uh, so just choosing one alone may not give you the sensitivity that's required. Uh, we know that different charge states fragment more efficiently than others. Uh, so again, that's kind of that, not just selectivity, but flexibility approach that I think is one of the drivers why accurate mass has been seen as, as uh, high potential in that you can uh, not only use the resolution to get you the selectivity, uh, but you can do things that you generally can't do on a, on a M in an MRM experiment. Um, routinely, which is yeah, you know, summation of multiple fragment ions, different charge states, and, and really driving all that information into greater signal to noise, which um, gives a which gives you a, a different approach uh, to ultimately achieve your quantitation uh, question. And then uh, I would say in in that peptide protein area, uh, what we're seeing a lot more is the complementary approach uh, around kind of fast turnaround intact protein measurements, um, which is either in the kind of traditional extracted chromatogram approach, uh, and you quantify your uh, peak that way, uh, or kind of the, the few that are dabbling into the kind of deconvolved data, which gives you more information, different information, and a different uh, understanding of and snapshot of your um, of your protein therapeutic or peptide therapeutic, which um, only uh, really only a high-res in instrumentation can generate uh, with the mass accuracy of that's required for each feature. So again, it's kind of that having that blend of, of flexibility uh, that when a simple MRM just isn't sufficient, then you use a different tool to, to get to that point. Um, and then uh, I would say the other big area that uh, we've seen, especially in the uh, kind of area, blended area between non-regulated and, and kind of moving into regulated is, uh, is looking at that method development process as such, uh, where you're kind of looking at possible issues that could come up uh, once you get to that regulated stage and you're uh, just churning through samples uh, in the stages is looking for things like isobaric metabolites or let's say what would be isobaric to a normal mass instrument where um, it could skew your uh, data in a in a way that you weren't expecting um, and we started to see a lot more um, a lot more uh, customer base which is looking at um, that boundary of uh, outsourcing to CRO where we just want to know more information before uh, sending it out um, for the more routine kind of regulated uh, workflows. Uh, and really the, that type of information, the added value is, is only, is, is what full scan accurate mass can supply uh, above and beyond just uh, taking uh, apparent um, kind of quantitation snapshot as you would by MRM. Uh, but then you can start to think of the future possibilities or the other possibilities you may be able to 
drag out of that uh, information out of the data, not only, say, your uh, parent drug, but drug metabolites, endogenous metabolites, biomarkers, anything that could be extracted from, from that sample in the given way, uh, it, that information can be there by high resolution. Again, it's one of the, I guess, the potentials that um, uh, our customers and community have seen around accurate mass, but then how to implement that, I think, is one of the ways that um, is one of the challenges. Uh, so yeah, I think in all the the way accurate mass is being used now is is it's a wide range. Uh, there are many other many other intriguing ways that people are using accurate mass from from a quantitative workflow, um, but uh, way too many to uh, to go through in in detail today. And you've already mentioned a few uh, challenges highlighted from previous Bionasis Zone Spotlight surveys, yep. but what is the biggest challenge you've had to overcome in regard to using HRMS? I think this comes from um, understanding uh, the adoption, uh, or let's say the slow adoption, uh, and I'll kind of finish with uh, what I think has been the biggest challenge, but just kind of looking at uh, where we thought the future would be with accurate mass and quantitation, which I think um, if, I think it was the 2016 spotlight that asked uh, like in the future, the percentage of high res by 2020. Um, and I think the something like 60% uh, thought that 25 to 75% of the instruments in a lab would be accurate mass by 2020. Um, the question I have is, have we seen that shift in the lab today? Um, some yes, but I would say the majority we haven't. Um, so uh, I kind of come back to the 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 biggest challenges is clearly those hurdles, those challenges that we have had. Um, they are whether it's in the individual ones around sensitivity uh, or all of them kind of combined. There's still a reason why the adoption of accurate mass hasn't accelerated in the way that, let's say, we thought or the community saw it could do um, three, four years ago. So I guess the challenge or question is, um, were we simply being over-optimistic about the, co the technology and the state it was, um, or, uh, have the benefits just not started to really outweigh the hurdles, which I think if if you look at the probably the slow adoption, that's probably still the the reason. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily like the like for us as one big challenge. It's it's breaking all, all of those challenges that we've seen from the spotlight and from uh, from our, our customers. It's every single one is is a big challenge. Um, that you have to break down in, in different ways. So um, I think going forward is looking at is that initial momentum of accurate mass that we had uh, three years ago, is that going to be realized? Is that, uh, does that still make sense? Uh, and is it what the future should be? And uh, there's a big challenge in, in understanding is is Acromass going to be a, a technique routinely used in the future? 
And if we continue to look towards the future, what future possibilities do you hope HRMS will bring? So I think uh, apart from <laughs> apart from the obvious development, uh, sensitivity, dynamic range, and everything that we are accustomed to with our triple chord instruments, and and again, this is a huge, big bubble. Um, uh, we we understand uh, Acromass instruments have a good space to uh, move in those directions. So um, that's certainly the, the, the standard things I would, I would um, hope to uh, see driven. Uh, but I think uh, the what I want to see, or maybe what Accurate Mass can bring is, is a different view on the world, a different way of thinking about quantitation. So for a, a number of years, we've, we've used triple quadrupoles MRM as our way of thinking about quantitation. We've started to look at accurate mass as a potential and a way of thinking about quantitation. And again, that's due to the different ch uh, challenges and molecules coming through. But let's, let's say to stay this further is that accurate mass has uh, different capabilities, different techniques, which could and can give a different way of thinking. And my thinking is around the, the techniques such as data independent analysis. So uh, where you have no upfront information supplied, you run generic methods. Um, it doesn't have to be targeted. Uh, you, connect, you extract what you want to extract out of the data. Um, and will or could that become a gold standard for kind of biological quantitation or quantitation general. So if we think of areas where that type of technique has already started to make a, make a, a change of view in, in quantitation is in kind of that precision medicine area where you're looking at high throughput biomarker verification and validation, it's becoming more routine to look at, uh, it's, it's no longer being able to look at thousands of proteins and understand how does that disease state change uh, between healthy and unhealthy or um, that snapshot of the patient. Uh, it's now, okay, we want to quantify uh, those, those proteins and, and use the data to verify and validate our models. So how will that potentially come into uh, a quantitative bioanalysis environment. Uh, is it the possibility of combining multiple assays into one? Um, as I said, it, you could start to look at profiling parent drug, parent metabolites, endogenous metabolites, proteins, peptides, lipids. The list uh, goes on of, of the richness of the, the data you have. And will that lead us to not just a parent drug approach, but a patient-centric profile that, yes, we are monitoring drug, but we're also monitoring everything else that we can extract from that data. Um, and then that kind of leads into uh, kind of m the multi-dimensional set of data that Accurate Mass, I hope, will bring. Um, and uh, if we think of data independent right now, it's it's three-dimensional, potentially four-dimensional. So 
three dimensions being LC, MS, and LC, MS, MS, so the three dimensions there. Uh, but then maybe then adding on layers of things like eye mobility gives you a fourth dimension. Uh, things, uh, potential techniques such as um, scanning data-independent uh, scanning swath, which adds a, a quadrupole dimension, not just uh, the MSMS, but the uh, individual quadrupole dimension. So that gives you like four or five dimensions of a data set. Now, naturally, that's quite complex, and 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 uh, and the visualization of that, but it's very rich. So is uh, I see how will that have an impact of is bioanalysis the way we do it now? Is that still going to be the way that we do it if we look at it, um, moving towards a, that precision medicine and, and uh, patient-centric approach? Um, and then what goes with that is now you have multi-dimensional data. How are things such as um, not just machine learning, but uh, virtual reality, being able to immerse yourself into the data. We've seen approaches out there at um, using VR to visualize target sites and binding sites. And But from a LCMS point of view, how can you get in and immerse yourself in that data to really pick out things that you may never even considered? Um, and then really the other sort of things is how... Accurate mass gives you a lot of information, right? So um, how can that drive changes in that lab itself? Um, and I'm here talking more like looking at the full process of a lab. So I've, I've seen uh, accurate mass data utilized where you, you can characterize every step a sample takes through your lab. Um, and, uh, and you can look at all the points at which variation enters that that flow and that process, and how you can monitor it and how you can flag it, just by pulling out simple properties from the full scan, from the chromatographic information, and really optimizing your process. So in uh, that's I've seen that a lot uh, becoming more and more in kind of uh, important in those. Uh, biomarker validation assays where you really have to, to to do any sort of large cohort st study. You really have to understand your full process. And I think here in quantitative analysis, we, we could have the potential to have to go down or use a similar approach to really drive insight into um, different parts of a process which uh, you may not even think of or may not see because uh, once you ultimately take your sample through and you put it onto an LCMSMS instrument, run an MRM, it's very targeted and you're only going to see what you tell it, uh, tell the instrument to see. So I think there's very interesting approaches to optimize their kind of just the, a lab itself and in, in, in its approach. Um, and yeah, so I think that's, it's really the, the future, the possibilities in the short term. I think, um, it's a technique that is fantastically powerful, uh, but and and the vision that everyone has in a different way is is going to drive it into some very unique uh, areas. I'm sure. 
Great, well thank you Jason for taking us through some of the key challenges and applications of HRMS at SciEx. Not a problem, it's a pleasure to, uh, to be able to uh, give a, a short uh, overview from uh, a SciEx perspective. Uh, remember you can find more resources on HRMS on our website at www.bioanalysis-zone.com.